Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, an espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Joining me today are Elaine Shortcliffe and making his second appearance. You know him as El Polito. What's up, guys? Hi, Will. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to leave you hanging there for a second. Although I'm really hoping that I'm really hoping that every single appearance of mine is counted. Like making his 17th appearance, <laughs> you know him as El Polito. I'm. I think I want to do that. We should do that for you. I bet we can get Ryan and Will to continue to do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that I know that you were on a, a while ago, and I don't even remember when it was. But I think this is my first. I know it's my first pod with you. So anyway, um, so just kind of going into the week that was, the Blue Jackets went uh, one zero and two as they beat the Stars and then lost uh, to the Blackhawks and the Islanders in overtime over the weekend. I'll start with you, El Polito. What are your thoughts on these last few games? And it's kind of up to you to kind of determine, you know, how you want to go with that as far as what you want to break down or get into. Well, it's funny. I was mentioning earlier today that it feels like the last three games have just been almost indistinguishable. You know, it was the team played good team defense. The goaltending was good enough to win. And the offense was not very good. Like all three games basically played out the same way for the Blue Jackets. Um, no, it's So in a way, there's not a whole lot to say. If the defense is good. Team defense has been solid. The forwards have carried their momentum the entire way so far for the first eight, nine games. Um, 
but no one's putting pucks in the net. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the offense, it needs to finish. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glass half full that they will eventually start to convert, but they need to do that before these games start to get away. Elaine, what about you? What are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on these, these past few games? Well, I can't really be a judge on Saturday's game because I did not watch it. <laughs> but I, I think it's kind of weird that our defense is more responsible from an offensive standpoint <laughs> than our forwards are. They seem to be able to get better looks on net and set up better plays than the offense. Going which, to do that. I don't know. I, I don't think I've seen many other teams. Thank you have a defense that is just great mm-hmm. offensively. I mean, like Nudavara's goal in the game against Chicago, he was he picked up his own rebound, like and scored it. Okay. And the other forwards were kind of like, oh, I guess maybe I should try and get that puck. <laughs> and like, you know though the goaltenders have been great. My only thing is is teams have already been able to sniff out Merzlikin's flaw one one big flaw <laughs> and that's that he can't get that glove up to the corner of the net quick enough when they're going top shelf corner um glove side but other than that it was there were a lot of good things we saw out of them at least against Dallas and Chicago you know a couple of things on that I'm just gonna go back and forth with Julane today that's just how it's gonna be um <laughs> You know, on, on the defenders, uh, you're right. I think part of it has to be with, I think, has to do with the position they play. You know, if if they're going to commit an offense, they basically can't mess around, right? They have the puck. They're going to get in an offense. They've got to get in there, make a play, and then get back out on defense. And you see that with all of them, whether it's Seth Jones, Wierenski, Nudevare, I mean, Savar gets in there sometimes. If they're going to commit to making an offensive play, they just go ahead and do it. And the forwards seem to dance around a lot more, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah. And, and then on Elvis, you know, against Pittsburgh, yeah, absolutely. He seemed to react to everything slowly. I don't, I think in his second start, though, it, I thought it was much more improved. Um, you know, Debrink had his shot going over the glove side. I don't, I don't think any goalie was going to stop that. I don't think it was necessarily a weakness for Elvis, just a great shot. But I, I think my lasting moment from his play was actually after the game. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed when, when Chicago scored that fluke goal, he just stood there staring at them celebrate for like an uncomfortably long <laughs> amount of time. Uh, so he's clearly into it, and I'm, I'm hoping that he does get a few more starts sooner than later. Yeah, I think he needs. I think he definitely needs a few more starts to even just get comfortable, a little bit more comfortable. I don't think he's 100% comfortable with the the playing ice and the speed of the game yet so it'll be interesting to see what he can do i'm definitely yeah i mean for elvis it's only been two starts and they were literally about two weeks apart and he's only been on the road and of course he played pittsburgh who of course we know annihilated him for seven and then went into a tough barn in chicago so I thought, obviously, he looked much better. He's, yeah, he still has some flaws, obviously, and that's going to happen for a guy that's just getting over here and getting acclimated to everybody. But, you know, he he stopped. I mean, yeah, he did give up three goals, and he did, you know, Patrick Kane got him on two assists, but he also stopped Kane's nine shots. So that's kind of nice. But, obviously, the result is getting a win. But, overall, even though 
you could pick apart either overtime game and maybe the Islanders game Saturday is a little bit even more annoying just for the fact they're at home and you were hoping that they would finish. And again, it goes to overtime and just like uh, Friday night, it ends in a blink of an eye. I don't know. I think for me, the Islanders game was kind of, I mean, you want to go on the road and get a point and then you go home hoping to get two points against a divisional rival and they had their opportunities. And you mentioned it earlier, El Polito, about, the offense not finishing. And I know I know where you stand with guys like Atkinson, and I agree that the Vets need to get going. So I guess talk about whether it's the power play, because we know the power play is still an issue. But what are you seeing, I guess, offensively that might either be a kind of like a sign of good things to come, or is it still just kind of plateauing in your eyes? You know, it, that's a tough one because I just had that back and forth with Hell Dragon earlier and that, you know, some of the fancy stats make it look like mm-hmm. the players are doing all right, but then, yeah, it still leads to a loss if the goals don't actually find the back of the net. I think a, a big positive is the fact that all the lines spend a pretty good amount of time pressuring on offense. I mean, in the last few games especially, they are buzzing around the net. They're taking shots. They don't necessarily high-quality shots, but they are putting them on net. So, you know, the... They get the hockey wisdom says that if they keep doing that, that they will eventually start scoring goals. I tend to believe in, you know, past success is not indicative of future performance. So I'm not going to consider future goals as being in the bank. But yeah, maintaining offensive pressure is going to be a good thing. And if the defensemen can keep being very judicious and when they jump in on offense and being effective, I think that would eventually lead to wins. But the vets have to score. Atkinson has to put a has to score five and five. Foligno has to score. You know we're getting a lot of goals from folks we don't expect, which is good because they need to get rolling and yeah. they need to become parts of the offense. But when you have certain guys who are veterans who've been on a team for a while who should who know how to finish, you know all we heard about is when Brad left it that well, you know Atkinson scored before Brad got here. Like one of the final, mm-hmm. you know he can score, but he's not doing it yet. Um, and I think it's fair to call that out. Yeah, Cam is probably the most frustrating part about this team right now, just because he talked such a big game in the offseason. And then, you know, everyone's argument was he scored before Brad, but he's not even finding those chances. He's not even setting up those plays like he used to. He used to be good at quarterbacking a play. And we're just not seeing the same thing out of him this season. It would be nice to see those things. It was nice, though, to finally see, like, Sonny do something good, but the problem with that is it was a fancy goal. I want to see (laughs) him, like, do some normal-looking goals every once in a while because you (laughs) you can't always score a fancy goal. I mean, from watching him with the Monsters, I saw him bank him in off the goalie's helmet, bank in from below the goal line, off the goalie's skate, off the goalie's back, off his own teammate. I mean, he can do trick shots for days, but in the NHL, that that's not always going to fly. There's always going to be that defender who is going to be able to stop those or fill in the net in such a way that he can't do those trick shots. So I hope going forward, he, he focuses more on just scoring in general, not how he scores the goal, but that he's scoring. Um, and then it was nice with Wenberg. I mean, come on. We've all just been waiting for him to score. I feel like 
for a long time. Yeah, I think Siege had a mental countdown <laughs> on the last time. He scored a five and five. Um, <laughs> right. And I'm not sure if he was relieved or angry that he had to give that up. Right. But, you know, uh, on Sonny Milano, I, I guess a couple of things there. I, it's funny because that game, he had that highlight reel goal and we all love to see it. And I like the fact that Torch said basically, yeah, the goal was nice, but this dump that he made, you know, getting the puck out of the zone um, to avoid a turnover was the play that I liked more. And that's something he's been doing a lot more of in the games that he's been in. You know, he's he's not actually going for all that flashy thing. That that goal, one of the reasons why it stood out is like it really was the first time he tried some kind of bad angle shot or strange tricksy thing. But for the most part, he's been making good short passes. Um, he hasn't been ignoring his teammates. He hasn't been going, you know, by himself into four guys. Um, and he's getting back on defense, which the whole team is doing. But for Sonny, that's always been like the one area where we all just knew he wasn't particularly strong at. But this year, he seems to be much better at it. And you have to temper some, some expectations. He is a fourth liner uh, currently. And while we all hope he can be more, he is a fourth liner getting fourth line minutes. So I consider that highlight goal to be a bit of a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I guess I'll just keep complaining about the top line. <laughs> he does seem um, more confident in his teammates this year. He um, he doesn't seem to be trying to make plays out of nothing as much anymore. He's like really working with his line mates or the defenders, which is really nice to see and show some sort of growth in Milano's game. And maybe he's, uh, no, you know, he realizes where he stands, uh, being in the minors last year and having the off-ice adversity and realizing maybe what he needs to do to really have a chance. So, so far, so good. Um, I just, I have to circle back to Atkinson real fast because Seeds, as we know, he put out a tweet last night that I totally agreed with. I think we all probably would as far as calling out the vets and named Atkinson among those. And Atkinson even liked the tweet. So I said, okay, well, I guess Atkinson's accountable. So if he scores the next game, maybe we can say Seeds sparked him. But um, (laughs) yeah, I think I think Atkinson would probably be among those to agree that he needs to be better. And yeah, he's a veteran among the veterans. So we'll see. But um, yeah, um, I was also curious, too, if you guys what your thoughts might be um, with Atkinson taking more face offs than Dubois the last couple of games. Yeah, I noticed that. I I mean, he's been seems to be doing fine with it. I'm. I'm one of those folks that doesn't think um, that a face-off is super important. I mean, throughout the course of the game, but good that Cam can take them. Um, I'm curious if it's more about POD not being strong in that spot as opposed mm-hmm. to Cam being yeah. good at it. And I, honestly, I don't know if it's a big deal or not. To be to be fair, I don't. I I guess I'm used to seeing a center usually take that, but if Cam is getting the job done, I'm fine with that. I get. I feel like um, if Atkinson can do it, then hey, why not another player that might kind of be a not necessarily a secret weapon, but hey, if he can do it, why not? But yeah, I do wonder if it's too about Dubois. But uh, also, just real quick on the Islanders game, I I know that I think it was their highest. Uh, I don't know, basically their highest sh- uh, shots attempted in a game this season. Their Corsi was nearly 20% higher than the Islanders. And of course it came back to not finishing. And I know it's only a small sample size in one game, but I guess that's kind of along the lines of why I'm sort of glass half full with this team, because as early as it is, obviously, and 
through some of their their issues. I guess goaltending for me was their biggest wild card, and then of course the offense. And I guess if the offense can keep putting shots on the net, I mean, eventually these shots are going to fall through. Last night, um, they had like a seven. They had seven shots in a row, I think it was, that just you know somehow didn't get in, and the Islanders had to call a timeout to regroup. But it's like one of these, you know, eventually one of those will go through or we'll find the back of the net. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We'll go ahead and shift focus to uh, the Cleveland Monsters because they also had a lot of activity over the weekend. They won 4-3 in a shootout over Rochester on Friday, lost 2-0 to Toronto on Saturday, and then played Toronto again today, losing 6-5 in a six-round shootout. Um, Elaine, how did the weekend for you go uh, covering the Monsters? (laughs) Well, for one, I absolutely hate back-to-back-to-back games. I think they're pointless and I think they're stupid, especially when you're on the road and you have to play a 7 p.m. game on Friday and then drive from Rochester to Toronto and play a 4 p.m. game and then play a 4 p.m. game on Sunday. It's stupid. It was super stressful, too, because there was two shootouts and I had they could have gone like either way, both of those games. They And Saturday's game was like watching a different team play than what played on Friday and Sunday. Saturday's game was super messy. But it was nice to see them pull out that win against Rochester because they have they were a pain in our butt last year. And I knew going into Toronto that we would have to make some sort of magic happen because they, I mean, as of right now, after today's game, they're 6-0 and on the season and only have played six games. So, I mean, they're, they're the real deal, and they have been for at least five years. So we knew this weekend wasn't going to be easy, and having a, three games in a row made it ten times harder for them. Talk about what you've seen so far from the Monsters that you like and maybe areas for improvement. Well, I really like um, our power play, honestly. They, it, the power play hasn't been... I mean, we haven't scored as much as we would like, although tonight Justin Scott had two power play goals, so that was nice. They're constantly attacking the net on the power plays, which, you know, eventually something's got to go in, right? They're not shooting wide of the net. They're just straight-on shots. It's just the goaltenders that they've seen have actually been really good goaltenders like I don't know why Cascasuo is with the Marlies he should really be in the NHL (laughs) some of the players though I will say Dalpy has been having a really hard time scoring and he just can't make anything work at all and then they've had him in the shootout for both games and he just he didn't seem like Zach Dalpy he didn't uh it was just like a very slow almost apprehensive kind of way for the shootout. I don't know if maybe 
not being able to score is getting to him or if he's just having an off start to the season. I'm really unsure. Um, and then Marco Dano, I was really excited to have him on the team, but he, the past like four or five games has just been like, yeah, he's been aggressive, but he's just made a lot of rookie mistakes. Like he tried passing to someone when there was a stick in the passing lane and that stick was, it was in that same spot for probably like two minutes. <laughs> and he just felt the need to pass it that way when there was really no other players around. Like those kind of things, just small things that end up becoming a bigger problem. But uh, the defense has actually really stepped up and that's been really nice. It's it's hard to say what needs to change because the team does play a lot better when Marcus Hanekainen is is on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... If we could, I would love to keep him down here as long as possible, just uh, because he seems to bring some sort of new energy to the team. I'm not sure. It's it's hard to really say what 100% needs to be fixed because it's trying to put this team together when there's 30 guys on the roster. I'm trying to figure out who's going to go where and who really does fit well together. And we're not that deep into the season, so it's... It's still trying to figure that out, but the the special teams units are just they're really good. They're I I'm amazed, honestly. I wasn't expecting such consistency out of them. If the power play in Cleveland is so good, maybe Columbus needs to look at that power play coach because <laughs> we know that the Jackets power play two plus years of what it's been, but I digress. <laughs> right. I I think it's I actually don't know who's doing the power play. I think it might be Steve McCarthy. Because Trent Vogelhuber is doing the penalty kill. What is nice, too, is Coach Eves has, you know, he has his lines. And the fourth line does not get significantly less minutes than everyone else. So he's able, he just keeps rolling the lines. No one's getting tired. Like last year, the first line would be out there for like a minute and a half, two minutes straight. And they would just get so tired. Same thing with the penalty kill. He's constantly moving the lines and they'll be like two players come in, two players come out. It's just like a constant revolving system. So no one gets tired. I enjoy that immensely. Uh, looking ahead to their schedule uh, in the week ahead, what are, what are some things to maybe look out for or what are you looking for with the monsters? The, the ice hogs are always one of those teams. They're playing the ice hogs next weekend and they play 7 PM on Friday. And then they come back and play at 1 PM on Saturday. <laughs> so really what they're going to have to work on is playing a simple game because if they go into extra time on Friday, it's just going to make Saturday's game so much harder and they just can't wear themselves out because that tight turnaround is, is too much sometimes for, for a team. Luckily they're at home so they can go home to their own beds and sleep and, you know, get some relaxation except for the people that have, kids i'm sure you know there's no real rest overnight when when you have kids and you're playing at home but the the ice hogs are a team that you think you know everything about them and then they always have something held back just a little bit and when you least expense expect it they unleash it so really i would say they need to be prepared for anything that comes their way and um they've been doing the different goalie every other game. Like if they play a back-to-back against the same team, it's a different goalie. 
And the defense does play differently. And I think the defense is going to need to step up a little bit more for Kivlenix because he's been leaving the crease a bit too much. And the Ice Hogs will, will score from center ice if he keeps doing that. Well, you know, pick your brain about the, I guess, the monster that I'm most interested in. And, and that's, you know, correct how I'm pronouncing it, but Bevelinen, how has he been looking? Last weekend, it was tough because, like Coach Eve said, we couldn't tell if he was being hung out to dry or if he was just missing these shots. Like, the defense fell apart on him a few times last weekend. So we haven't had many um, games where we could really, really tell how he's doing. Now, this weekend was was different. On Saturday... He was just very strong. The shots that went against the two goals that were scored were just weird. One was right off the face-off. There was no way he was going to see that. It, it was just so smooth and quick, and I was confused. I didn't even realize it happened. <laughs> like it, it was one of those kind of shots. He seems uh, super confident, though, which is helpful and the defense, he communicates well with the defense, then he will have a defender in the net with him sometimes, depending on who's who's on the ice for the other team, which I think it shows a lot of maturity for a goaltender to be like, hey, I need you here. I need you right here. I need you over here. I need you, like, he knows who's on the ice, where they're at, and I think that helps a bit. His saves have been phenomenal. Like the way he throws his body around, it's not haphazardly, it's with meaning. You know what I mean? Like sometimes people just roll around and they try to make like these glorious kick saves or something and they're not quite sure where the puck is at. He almost always seems to know where the puck is at unless he's getting screened, in which case he needs the defense to really step up and make sure that, uh, his sight is is clear. Yeah, good stuff. Hopefully uh, Cleveland can keep it going uh, in the next weekend. Obviously, they have the week ahead. It looks like they're off right until next Friday. So even with the tight turnaround on the back-to-back, at least they have some time off to kind of regroup after three grueling games, which I know I talked to Elaine about before, about it is kind of weird how they have back-to-back-to-back games in the AHL, but... We'll go ahead and shift again back to the Blue Jackets real quick. Um, They play tomorrow night against the Maple Leafs in Toronto. The Leafs are 5-3-1, third place in the Atlantic. I mean, it's the second game of the year against Toronto already, obviously opening night. But what are you guys kind of looking ahead of or looking ahead to with this one? Well, Tavares being out is uh, is a pretty big deal. I, I think that will really simplify, I guess, the threats that are on the board. Obviously, Marner and Elander and Matthews are all great. Um, but so is Tavares. So facing three offensive animals is easier than facing four of them. But I, I would say there was, I saw a tweet after Tavares got hurt that um, that just made me laugh because someone wrote that, you know, if he has a broken finger, he should use all the, he should just borrow a finger from all the people in on the Islanders that are giving him one. So <laughs> obviously he can't really take that advice but, uh, you know, Corpy should be in that. I, you know, he has several more games under his belt. You know, the team hasn't given up 
I think they've got four game streak now of two goals given up. So he certainly has avoided that rut that he fell into last year where he kept giving up three or four goals every game. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's clearly seeing the puck better. He's reacting better. He's doing yeah. better puck control. And against Toronto, he's going to have to be on point because as much improved as the team is under defensive play, um, Toronto is that elite offense that can break that apart. So he'll have to be uh, standing on his head regardless. Uh, that's just how it's going to be. And, you know, as bad as the offense has been, I think if Toronto gets to three, the game's probably over. So, you know, that's fan pressure. I doubt Corpus Auto sees it mm-hmm. that way, and I doubt anyone on the team does. But I feel that that's kind of where I am with the team offensively right now. That if the opponent gets to three, then the Jackets might be cooked. So, you know, I don't know. They're maintaining the structure, uh, the defensive structure, and I am confident in them being able to keep Toronto down, especially with Tavares out. So I'm going to choose to be optimistic about it. I'm optimistic too. I think it'll be a, it'll be a good test no matter what. Elaine, what about you? I think that the offense needs to step up on the scoring for tomorrow and their offensive plays because the defense is really going to need to focus on defense. Because when you have guys like Marner, <laughs> you have to be able to stop him in in any way possible. So if you're concerned about making offensive plays when you're a defender, your your mind's kind of split a little bit. And they, I think that tomorrow they're going to need to be very, very focused on stopping the Leafs from getting out of the neutral zone. So it... I think that will be fine. Um, I think either goalie will do just fine. But I just a li- I'm just a little worried about our scoring because once the Maple Leafs start scoring, they have a hard time turning the scoring off. It- it's the very same way that the Marlies play. I think they just groom them that way all the way up. The way it- there's a lot of similarities between the two teams, and this is where faceoffs come in. Come in handy and are very important. The Toronto organization is very good at scoring off of a face-off. So if you are not winning that face-off and you are not taking off with the puck, it is a huge problem because once the Maple Leafs touch that puck, they are going to try their hardest to score right off the face-off because people aren't going to be set to stop a puck from going in, whether it be the goalie or the defender. So, Tomorrow night face-offs are also very important. <laughs> I don't care who takes it. I just care that they win it. <laughs> win the face-off, score on the power play. It's that simple, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have any final uh, final thoughts? I do have one. You know, I, I I have to give a little bit of an ode of an ode to Gavrikov. The guy has, has come in and taken over that last defenseman spot, and I don't see him giving it up. And what I love the most about his play is how active, how accurately active he is with his stick work. There were four or five times in the last game where just a quick, nifty little movement with his stick ended an offensive chance for the opposition. Um, he sees the puck very well, and he can get his stick on the puck, whether it's on the ice or in the, or in the air. And it's just it's fun to watch. It's kind of cool because it's just it seems not effortless, but it seems like a normal part of his play. So it's, you know, right now I'm, I'm impressed by it. Hopefully I don't become jaded and expectant of it too soon. 
Um, but I guess a Gavik Rob is a player that I really like watching. Elaine, how about you? Uh, my final thought is not hockey related. <laughs> okay. I am just so happy that the Astros moved on and we don't have to hear about the Yankees anymore. The Astros have become a force in baseball, so everybody talks more about the Astros anyway. <laughs> That's not what my timeline or the people well. who surround me. <laughs> I just, I hate the Yankees forever. So it's just really nice to see a team just come in and just make them feel bad about themselves. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I my final thought is, I, first of all, as, as many of you guys either do or don't know, I like to make wild predictions. And, of course, uh, everybody at the Canon knows that. So, anyway, my my prediction is that seeds actually did uh motivate cam atkinson to score a goal or two tomorrow night and i'm gonna <laughs> if he does score a goal then i'll dub it that seeds sparked atkinson that's my final thought that he gets him going can't hurt if he does that would be how i would title the recap <laughs> eric seed sparks cam atkinson that would be awesome yes <laughs> Yes, that would Please be. Do it. I would love that. I would. Ho- I hope he does. Even if they lose five to one, if Atkinson scores a goal, Seed sparked them. But anyway, <laughs> um, I guess that'll that'll pretty much do it. For, that's pretty much gonna do it for us this week. Um, our theme music is the song "Green Eyes" by Angela Pearly and the Howlin' Moons off of their album "Homemade Vision." Angela's newest album is called 4:30, and you should listen to it. Go check it out at angelapearly.com. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and a whole lot more, so check us out. Leave us a review and a rating. We welcome your thoughts and feedback in the comments, and as always, we will see you next week. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.